Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Love summer salsa. Good morning, church. How are you? All right, you're alive. Good to see you all in the house. Special welcome to those of you who are joining us online and from home. You know, we're just so glad that you're here and that you can join us for our summer salsa series. You know, during the the summer, we like to mix things up. You know, we like to rock the boat and shake ourselves out of our complacency. And so we invite some familiar faces and some dear friends to minister to us in this unique way. There's just something, you know, in this that you can't do during one of our regular teaching series. And don't get me wrong, we love our teaching series here at Crosspoint, but this is so special. And so, personally, I really love Summer Salsa because not only is it different, but it's also a great time for the Word of God to speak to our specific needs in real time. And so, right now, uh, we are a church going through its season of change, Do some of you feel that today? We're a church that is going through a season of change, both corporately and I would suggest personally, we are all facing something. And so today we're going to address that. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching and then a little bit of preaching. So for those of you who are already yawning at the teaching, the AC is on. I've kept it on. You won't fall asleep. You're welcome. I love you in that way. Um... But today we're going to address that feeling that we're in a season of change. And so I'm going to get you to turn to Joshua chapter 3. And if you have your Bible, that's near the beginning in the Old Testament. It's uh, right after Deuteronomy and right before the book of Judges. But if you like, you can just follow along on the screen behind my head. But today I want to tell you a story. uh, And it's part of a much larger story. It's our story. It's about the God God and, and his covenant people. And a covenant is just a way of describing God's intent to bless the world through an agreement with his people. And so just a quick history lesson here before we begin. Now, this intent to bless his people starts with an agreement that God made with Abraham in Genesis. A promise that Abraham's descendants would inherit a land that God set aside for them. Yet the promise was not actually realized by Abraham himself, nor by God's chosen people, Israel. And so after Israel was rescued from Egypt, if you know the story, they spent 40 years without a place to rest. And so entire generations were lost to the wilderness. But even still, God's promises did not and have not changed. And so theologian Christopher J.H. Wright says that God is always looking for fresh ways to bless his people, us. And each new covenant God makes with his people adds a fresh dimension of blessing. So with Noah, as the story goes, in his providence, God partnered with him to preserve humanity. And so with Abraham, God created this redemptive pathway, this family for all humanity. And through God's covenant with Israel at Sinai, he initiates a personal relationship with his people, and they become his representatives in the world. And through his promise with King David, man, we love King David, we have this great messianic king, Jesus, and the only one who could have right relationship with God and through whom we can enjoy a relationship with God forever. 
So now through this new covenant that we have in Jesus, the great king, all people can receive and presently experience the spiritual blessings of God. Amen? So now we can continue to partner with him. Not in agreements that we just know, but in ones that we experience every day. Wright says this, There is then a clear pattern of promise, fresh fulfillment, fresh promise in the Old Testament built on the ongoing historical relationship between God and Israel over the centuries. This means when the New Testament talks about Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament promise, it is not doing something new or unprecedented. Rather, it sees Jesus as the destination of an already well-recognized pattern of promise fulfillment. The repeated refueling of that promise for fresh application also prepares us for what? For expectation that the final fulfillment will not be in terms of literal details of the original promise, like the horse and motor car analogy. More on that later. The New Testament instead delights to portray Jesus as the one in whom the reality of Scripture's promises is found even in surprising ways. In other words, think of it this way. There's the aforementioned horse and car analogy. If God promised, for example, your ancestors a horse, but later gave you a car, consider yourself blessed and the promise fulfilled. Amen? Because he's looking for fresh ways to fulfill his promises. And once intending to bless, always intending to bless. His intention is the same. But the fresh application is surprising. So even now, I want to tell you, we have a living, knowable, present God that we know in the person of Jesus. And he's, I've said this before, he's thinking about us, and he is aware of our need. And he's always looking to partner with his people to bring blessing to creation and creature. And so, if anything today, you can hang your hat on these three things. God is unchanging, and his hand is still mighty, and he's looking for new ways to bless his people. All right, introduction over. Um, before we begin and get into this story I want to tell you today, uh, let's invite God into the conversation. So will you agree with me in prayer? Let's pray. Lord God, King of the universe, we ask that you would disrupt this place and that you would stir our hearts. Teach us, we pray this morning. Teach us. And help us to be more like your son, Jesus, to be completely dependent on you in this season and in full surrender to you, Father. That's our prayer today. Thank you. We love you. Amen. Amen? God is always looking to partner with us to bless his people in new ways. But my question for us this morning is that in this season... Will we partner with him? I know things seem uncertain right now. I feel that myself. But let me give you some clarity. Right now, God is still looking to covenant with his people and fulfill his promises. So how, how then should we partner with him right now? Well, so let me tell you a story about God's blessed partnership with a new generation of the people of God. And so if we're if you're already in Joshua 3, you're in the right place. Um, let me give you just a little bit of background to get you up to speed. You know, after Moses died, God spoke to his successor, Joshua. 
And God said to Joshua, and I am paraphrasing, I'm summarized. He said, go over the Jordan and you and all the people into the land I am giving you to the people of Israel. I know there's some people there, but we will possess the land anyways. Be strong and courageous. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep my word close to your heart and prepare to cross the Jordan into the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so Joshua went to the people and their leaders and commanded them to prepare to cross and said to them, we're going to cross over. And the, the leader said to Joshua, sorry, he said, Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. And so the people of God prepared to do something they have never done before. Cross the Jordan into a land that God had promised Abraham, their great father. And so let's get into the story now, picking up Joshua chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and then he set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits, which is like 1,000 feet. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Let's stop here for a moment and just kind of understand what's happening. So Joshua is leading God's people to the edge of the river Jordan. And across the river is the city of Jericho. And God has told Joshua and the people of God to take that land. And so they're giving these directions and really simply, it's watch the ark. Watch the presence of God. If it moves, you move. If it crosses the river, you cross the river. Don't come too close, but keep your eyes on God's presence. I mean, think about this. They've never done this before. Have you been there? Have you been in a situation like that where Joshua's men told the people, you have not passed this way before, meaning you've never done this before. You don't really know what you're doing. And what did Joshua's officers say to the people? What should they do? Follow the presence of God. Church, we have never been here before. You know, they say that global pandemics are portals between worlds. And if that isn't enough, we've never had to seek for senior leadership before. We've never been here before. We've never faced the cultural and political issues that we are facing right now. And some of you are facing something impossible by yourselves. There's marital breakdown, loss, and grief, bankruptcy and bondage. The economy is hard. Have you seen the price of gas lately? It's ridiculous. And some of you are trying to figure it out on your own. Friends, we're not in Kansas anymore, and no matter how hard we tap our shoes together, we are not going back. And there are just no roadmaps for this new world. But we do have a living and mighty God. I have received that, amen. 
And he lords over the hard seasons. We know that to be true. We're still here. He leads his people towards blessing in him. That's what we're discovering today. And no matter what we face, with God ever before us, there is a way. And so this is the God who revealed himself to the people of Israel. God told Joshua to cross the Jordan and that he would be with him. And so the officers told the people to carefully follow the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, the tangible representation of the presence of God and his covenant with his people. And this is exactly who we're called to be right now. God is looking to partner with a people of pursuit. It's one of the five marks of a disciple, pursuit. We need the presence of God to lead us to the will of God right now. And so we need to keep our eyes on how God is moving more than anything else. But the truth is, not along with me, if you can, is that we get so distracted, can't we? There's a lot to worry about. I don't know about you, but if you're like me, it's so hard to focus these days. Uh, a recent uh, Barna study that I read um, had some interesting data about the next generation. We really care about the next generation, so this is important to me. It said that Gen Z teenagers specifically spend an average of five hours on social media a day. Can you imagine that? That's a lot of nap time, right? What I would give for five hours. And, and even more so, some young adults in the older end of Gen Z are spending up seven hours on their smartphone. And I know this is not in the study, but there's a lot of millennials who love their phone too. You know who you are. <laughs> Me too. But that's a lot of time. But it's more than that, really. It's not just about the lost time and the naps we wish we had. Often, social media and other things like it are consumed with movements of men and not the movement of God. People are out there taking things into their own hand, being themselves, expressing themselves, self-actualizing. We have kitchen counter activists on TikTok. We have Kickstarter campaigns. There's brand platforms and product placements. There's even growth strategies for church and ministry models. You can almost find everything you need if you want to do something on the internet or in our world. Okay, I will get down from the social media soapbox for a moment, but this, the question still stands. Can we be so consumed with cyberspace or whatever else it is that we forget to follow God's leading? We're not looking for what he's doing, where he's going. The truth is, is that people of pursuit keep their eyes fixed on the Lord. And it's funny, even if you skip back one chapter in the book of Joshua to chapter 2, even Joshua, it's funny, loses sight of God. What does he do? He gets worried about crossing the Jordan and taking Jericho. Uh, so what does he do? He tells spies to cross the Jordan and go to Jericho to see the strength of the people there and what they were coming up against. He was curious. Have you ever been there? You just want to know what's there and make plans, but he just can help himself. We're all like that, aren't we? We want to know. We want to make plans about things we can't accomplish ourselves or control. Uh, Tozer once said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. Listen, friends, do we have our eyes fixed on God, on his presence? Does he have our full attention? Is he our singular pursuit in life? 
Will we let him lead? See, Israel needed to follow the ark where the substance of God's presence rested. But now, in the new covenant, because of Jesus and by his spirit, God's presence is with us. Holy Spirit comes and lives with us. We don't have to stay a thousand feet away from the ark. He is with us. And so now, how do we pursue God in this season? How can we be attentive towards his presence right now more than ever? We can do this through several everyday practices. Luckily, um, we know what they are, and generally they fall into two categories. There is practices of engagement and abstinence. Practices of engagement, let me tell you a few of them. God can be found, known, and experienced in serving others, sharing with others, evangelism, following others, fellowship, teaching, various kinds of prayer, worship, Bible study, and contemplation. That's why we dedicate ourselves to those things is because we are in pursuit of the presence of God. There is also practices of abstinence. God can be found, known, and experienced as the true and only source of spiritual life and nourishment through the practices such as fasting, silence, solitude, and minimalism. See, God wants to covenant with his people, to partner with us, to bless us in the world. So how can you pursue God in this season of your life? As a church, how can we pursue God through this season of change? The good news for us is that that's not it. God doesn't just want our attention. He doesn't just want us to follow his presence. He wants to move in our lives in power. That's why we're after him. And so I'll show you. Let's get back to the story, starting with verse 5 in chapter 3. Then what did Joshua say to the people? He said, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, and they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. See, Joshua told the people to consecrate themselves. Why? Because the Lord was about to work among them. They should get ready for that. And so the word here is kadash that he used for consecrating. And it suggests being or showing oneself holy. And so to consecrate is to set something apart so it may be holy and dedicated to God. See, Joshua is telling them to prepare themselves to be with the holy God. In the same way, God is looking to partner with a people of preparation today. The people of God need to be ready for the God of blessing. And there's this, always this relational breakdown with us and God when we are not dedicated to him in part, partnership. Anything that would spoil that relationship with a perfect God should be dealt with quickly and seriously. And so in this context, traditionally, consecration would be the ceremonial act. This would mean bathing, washing clothes, fasting, and abstaining from sex. But it's more than just ceremony, really. Behind every ceremony was 
real meaning and experience. It's a physical means of intentionally dealing with our spiritual state by symbolically relinquishing our disordered loves and dealing with our unrepentant hearts. So people of preparation, what they really do is they step aside and out of line and they separate themselves from the influence of the culture and the objects of their selfish desires. And we confess and repent that we might just give ourselves fully to God without reservation. The Apostle Paul helps us think about this in a, a fun way. In 2 Timothy, he says, In a large house, there are not only articles of only gold and silver, but also wood and clay. And some are for special purposes, and some are for common use. And those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So what Paul is saying is that you should bring out your good dishes. You know, like mom's special china, you know, old country rose, you know, the one I'm talking about with all you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone had old country rose. Bring out the best dishes. In other words, bring your reserved and most entire self to God, and he will work wonders. A clean and dedicated vessel ready for the move of God's presence. A filling, and more so, a transformation. And if you're prepared, uh, if you prepare a special vessel for God, God will use it for a wondrous purpose. And so Joshua's story shows us that God not only blessed those who pursue him, but he moves in power among those who fully dedicate themselves to him. And so don't get me wrong, this is not about trying really hard or perfection, bring your best self. No, it's not about that. It's simply the prepared and full surrender of ourselves. You know, the French Archbishop Francois Fenelon said this, and I love this for us today. It's so funny and kind of hard to accept. Um, when it comes to accomplishing things for God, you will find that high aspirations, enthusiastic feelings, careful planning, and being able to express yourself well are not worth very much. <laughs> First of all, Francois, ouch. I like to express myself. Let's, he goes on. He says, the important thing is absolute surrender to God. You can do anything he wants you to do if you are walking in the light of full surrender. Think about it. God intends to bless you and partner with you in blessing the world. That's what the agreement is about. But what if there's something coming between you and God? What is that? What is keeping you from being with God and enjoying the wonders of his presence? You know, today, we, we enjoyed communion together, and there's always that open invitation into the presence of a holy God. He says, come to the table. And in that invitation is a world of possibility. Anything is possible with God. And so now Israel believed that on that day at the Jordan. So they prepared themselves, and the priests stood out in the river. And let me tell you what happened. Let's finish today's story. Let's keep reading, starting with verse 14, jumping ahead a little bit. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as their, those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, 
Side note, now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the time of harvest, that's spring. Um, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. At Adama, the city that is beside Zarathan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. And now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all of the nation finished passing over the Jordan. If you think about this for a moment, it's, it's seriously amazing. It defies nature and the odds. Not only does God cut off the waters of the Jordan so his people can cross, but he does it in the spring when the water is at its highest flooding the banks. The one time it is hardest to cross, when the obstacle is at its worst, and that's just the beginning of this miraculous wonder. Not only do the people of Israel proceed to cross the Jordan on ground, but they do it on dry ground. Think about that. How odd. Instead of trudging through the mud and guck that you would expect to be on a riverbed, they stroll across firm, dry ground. Amazing. But there's still more. There's still more. Think about it. Look at verse 16. It says that the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adama, the city that's beside Zarathon. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut, cut off. The water was cut off at Adama, not where they were. Did you get that? The miracle didn't even happen in front of them. The heaping up and cutting off the ro of the river's waters happened very far away. How far the Jordan was cut off near the city of Adama, which is about 9 to 10 kilometers north upstream. If that's no big, big deal to you, you're missing it. Think about it. If the water stood up in the pile and were cut off as soon as the priests put their feet in the brink of the Jordan in the water, think about how long they stood there. How long does it take for the river to dry up when the flow is cut up 10 kilometers up north? Was it 30 seconds? Even 30 seconds seems like a long time. Was it five minutes? Was it five hours? I don't know. But think about that. This is what I will bet. I bet it was long enough. Long enough to slightly worry the priests and for the people of God to start scratching their heads. Even if it was 30 seconds. Whatever it was, the people had to wait at the bank. And the priests carrying the ark had to step in with both feet. They had to get their feet wet and dirty, and even when the water started to nip at their waists, they stood firm. Why? Because they followed God there, and they were prepared for him to do something. And in the same way, God is looking to partner with people of expectation. The people of God need to stand firm for a move of God. Listen, if it was God who got us here, church, and he will lead us through. He will get us there, whatever that may be. Anything less, it's not God who we follow, but it's somebody else. So let me ask you, what are you waiting on? You know, church, what are we waiting on? What are you waiting on as a person, an individual? And how long are you willing to stand out there? 
another question, church, is who will stand with you? Will we stand together in this season? The thing is, if we are prepared for God to move, we can be fully confident that we will receive precisely what we need when we need it. The truth is, some of us should just hate waiting, don't you? Like, have you been to Walmart? I mean, we speed in our cars, we roll through stop signs, we choose the shortest things uh, because we think they don't take as much time. We love things that are quick. Uh, and I'm talking about other people, not me, right? You know, uh, <laughs> my wife laughs. Um, but you know, people of expectation practice waiting. We really need to practice it, especially now. You know, G. Campbell Morgan describes waiting this way. He says, waiting for God is not laziness. It's not that. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Nope. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first activity under command. Second, readiness for any new command that may come. And third, the ability to do nothing else until a command is given. How long will we sit in the water? See, waiting is obedience, readiness, and self-control all in one. It rejects anything other than a move of God and expects great things from a mighty God. And so the real question for us today is, will we partner with God in this season? Will we continue to be God's covenant people? And so as we close today, um, maybe you're ready to follow God into what's next for you in our church. You're ready to pursue God where he's going, to prepare for him to move amongst us, and to expect him to do things only he can do. And so if that's you, I want to invite you to pray a short prayer with me, a couple words. And so this doesn't become a us and them thing. I want, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes so we're not looking around. But if that's you, pray this prayer with me. And first, let's, let's just be attentive to God and invite his presence to work among us. Will you repeat after me? Come, Holy Spirit. Today, I turn away from my sin and towards the Son. I confess there has been a lot on my mind and in the way. I haven't always done what is right in your eyes. And so I surrender all my loves and ask that you make me clean. So I might be an acceptable offering to you and your will. And so now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd fill me with the love of God. Lord, I am ready now to partner with you and join you in what you're doing. To receive your blessing in my life, you have my full attention. And so I commit to pursue you in this season. I don't know the way through what is before me, but I know you do. So lead me and I will follow. I will stand and wait for you to do only what you can do. 
I am with you, God. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.